Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello, everybody. Bonjour, mes amis. I need to start saying, like, hello in different ways. Um, I'm back. Oh, my God. Class is back in session. Class is back in session, kids. I hope you enjoyed your little break. Um, I had a really... It's been crazy. I haven't been here in a while. And I miss the studio. I miss hearing my own voice, always talking. (laughs) I have a very special guest who has been here before and is a dear friend and a wonderful spirit and quite a mover and a shaker, like a salt shaker. Um, Mr. Yosef Palermo, please introduce yourself to the kids again. Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really happy that you're back. You look amazing. Oh, thanks. Um, everyone, Yosef's hair has grown out, so it's like super long now. It's quite a bit, yeah. It's quite a bit long. You have some serious eyebrow happening. Oh, thanks. Like, was that, <laughs> did you always have eyebrows like that? I've, you know, started to make them more of a priority on my face. They're yeah. really amazing. Yeah. They really sculpt the face. Oh, thanks. You're looking real ethnic. Thank you, girl. I mean, though, you're like 20 different ethnicities, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a presence happening. Thank and then you have one this wonderful, like loose cotton, almost broadclothy, like stiff Mercedes BN vintage right here on 18th. Ooh, Street. Mercedes yes. BN. Yes. She's amazing. Yep. She's only open like one day a week yep. for like three hours, but it's like a treasure. It really is. And she's like such old school DC. Mm-hmm. She's super eccentric, but mm-hmm. like really nice and very welcoming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's because like you know when you go to like a vintage store and it's like an like one of those again old school people who's been doing vintage for like decades and like they're just super into it and it can be a little overwhelming mm-hmm. as like a novice shopper or just someone that just wants something cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you appreciate vintage, but you're not necessarily like I only do vintage. So you're just you're just a regular shopper. You just want something cool. You want to mix it up. And so sometimes that presence can be a little overwhelming right. when trying to sell you, but right. she's not like that yeah. actually. Yeah. She lets you like run through the store so and try on things. And what I think is really smart about her is, and maybe that's probably one of the reasons why she is open only a couple days a week or like two days a week, is that she knows how to sell you something mm-hmm. that you actually like. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very rare that's ever happened to me personally. I'm a very particular shopper. It's not that I'm like super picky. I just know what I want when I walk in a store. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just looking for any old thing right. or else I'm I'm just not walking into a store because I'm just going to be confused and, and disappointed. Right. You know, so I have been in her store a couple of times and she's just like shown me something. It's always the perfect piece where I'm like, fuck, yeah. I really should buy that. Yeah. I can't right now, but I want to. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a haggler. And she's a ha- she mm-hmm. is a haggler. Mm-hmm. She is a haggler, Let which, I do, which yeah. I do love. Let yeah. it be known. Um, we already jumped into it, but this is the closet clean section, everyone. Um, as you always know, my closet tends to be on the floor. It needs to be cleaned quite often. <laughs> Often, which is why I call this section of the closet. It's, I'm just getting the, the feelings out and the thoughts. Um, I need to just clean them up, you know, after a long week of thinking about a lot of things. Um, I will say to make a new announcement before my closet was very clean and my room was very clean physically. It's not like that anymore. I've gone through pride month, which is means it was nothing but shows. <laughs> so it looks like someone blew up 10 drag queens and just left the carcasses in my room. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it's so much sequins and beads. I stepped on so many sequins and cut up my feet. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. It's, I really need more space. 
This is why, like, people don't understand, like, celebrities, when you see their houses on TV or, like, in a magazine, they have space, so those clothes can go somewhere. I don't have space like I mean, I have a good amount of space for a city apartment, but I need more. I need a yeah. full duplex. I yeah. really do. I think that should be a city ordinance. All drag queens need at least a duplex <laughs> to live in for, like, you know, proper housing. Yeah. You know, I don't need marble floors. The presidential campaign should take up that cause. Have Pete Buttigieg up there talking about giving the drag queens affordable duplexes. I think the presidential campaign needs to talk about a lot more other things before us. Namely, number one, speaking of closet clean, let me get this out. I do not hear a lot of our candidates, the Democratic candidates, and I'll say our candidates because that's who I'm like looking at right now. But I'm not listening. I'm not hearing a lot about the environment from them i'll snap that and that's really bothering me because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't know if they know this but if there's no world all this other shit Mm -hmm, they keep talking about really mm -hmm, doesn't matter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm not hearing that i'm hearing a lot about them trying to like take down trump which is disappointing me i'm like i don't need a revenge candidate i need a candidate that's going to like actually do some shit do some shit run this country look out for the best represent us all over the world in the best way do their job not take not a revenge candidate there's a lot of other people doing revenge let them do that yeah you know what i mean yeah um how do you feel because you i mean like you you lived in a world where a constant political rhetoric is being discussed so yeah. how do you feel yeah i mean i i feel like there's a lot of um there's not a lot of difference in the current slate of democratic candidates right now yeah um and i am still kind of waiting for them to cannibalize each other <laughs> um, because you know it's coming and yeah. it's gonna get real dirty it's gonna get real dirty um, there are a couple of people i just want to like pull out a chair for <laughs> like joe biden yeah like just you know, sit just please, sit and please. i love joe biden yeah i really think he's a great person i do think that he is a great candidate for other different types of offices though i think if it was like governor i totally fucking vote for joe mm-hmm. mayor mm-hmm. easy has my vote president not necessarily yeah And not because of his, like, track record or anything like that. Because, I I, again, like, people always bring up stuff that happened 30 years ago. Different mentalities. Right. Different ways of thinking. Right. And so it's very hard for me to judge someone on their track record even 10 years ago. We have expanded a lot in our social and political rhetoric. Yeah. Changed a lot within even the last five years. So it's very hard for me to judge someone based on the past fully. I mean, unless they just straight up killed somebody. I'd be like, okay, girl, maybe you shouldn't do this one. (laughs) Like, maybe city council. (laughs) But I mean, like, Joe Biden has run for president, like, three times before. Yeah. Like, Joe. Joe. It ain't gonna happen. Oh, my God. Really funny. Speaking of someone that's run for president a bunch of times, Ross Perot apparently passed away. Rest in peace, Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Dumbo ears. Truth. Okay. Rich. Well, his ears held all that money. That's right. (laughs) Do you know my memory of who Ross Perot is? Is from the Nickelodeon show All That? that? Yes, bitch! (laughs) We just aged ourselves to all the younger millennials. The Gen Z. The Gen Z. Sorry, guys. But yes, Ross Perot and all that was totally. like the one. Totally. It was that girl who played him too. It was like a little girl who had big prosthetic ears. It was like very it gender the, bending. Because it wasn't Amanda Bynes, it was someone else. It was before, it, before Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to look that up. Get on your phone, look okay. that up, girl. All you right. got a smartphone, your little it's purse. It's true. true. Um, but no, like, but yeah. Actually, you know what's really funny? I miss shows like that. And maybe Me they too. are happening with kids' shows. I'm not watching them, but I remember all that was like very much so introducing the issues to us. When that Jason, TLC. Did you know that all that is back? What? Oh, yeah, girl. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I did know that. I, you know what? Maybe I should peep an episode and like see what they're doing. Are they still being as political and socially um, forward as mm. the original? Mm. I think that's really interesting. Thank- I would say don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> that's Alexi, everyone. She okay. is the she's like God. So <laughs> she runs all the sound and the schedules, and she makes sure that we show up. And she makes sure that we sound good. Yeah. And that, you know, you can listen to Thank it later. You. Alexia is amazing. She's amazing. Thank you, Alexia. Beautiful voice. Thank so you. just to wrap <laughs> this up on the, all that, Katrina Johnson was uh-huh. the name of the actress. Katrina Johnson. Ross Perot. Okay, Katrina Johnson, if you are ever listening to this episode right now, possibly, or later in life, we want to thank you for giving the kids something to, to, to grapple That's right. with. That's right. Um, but yeah, Ross Perot, like that girl, she ran for president. I don't know. She was the Susan Lucci of presidential she running, was. of presidential she candidacy. Was, yeah. Like she, she had the infomercials, the late night infomercials. infomercials. All yeah. she needed was like an exercise video. That's what she should have had. <laughs> she fucked up on that one. Yeah. Speaking of crazy ass white dudes, um, and it's so funny because I was like thinking about the closet clean section. I didn't want to get like too political, but you know, shit happens. And I didn't want to get overly social, but again, shit happens. And this whole Jeffrey Epstein girl, can we talk about the lid just bubbling on that thing? Bubbling. There are a lot of people connected to him. Oh, yeah, everyone. Well, this is the funny thing. So I was at Trade. And for those of you who don't know, Trade is actually voted one of the top two best gay bars in America by Out Magazine. Word. It's here in D.C. It's where I do my performance art nightclub residency. So that's where I do a lot of my shows. Sissy That Tuesday. Sissy That Tuesday. My, show, my one-man show that I do every third Tuesday of the month. So please come. Um, I keep going. This, this month, it's going to be next week. And this month, we're, viewing, we're showing a pose. Because um, we're doing a viewing party every Tuesday for Pose. And then I'll be performing right after Pose. And I'll be doing a soul sister, okay. soul music only show. Okay. With not the Sade, Anita Baker, okay. Regina Bell girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we're talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with Anita Baker. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of people connected with it. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this at Trade. And the thing is, is like I remember hearing about Jeffrey Epstein a couple of times over the years. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time he's been in the media. Mm-mm. This is not the first time he's been talked about, um, especially in the, some of the circles that I was able to be in socially in life, just some of these higher echelon circles, just knowing people. And this is not the first time he's been talked about. And he has been known for this. I think mm-hmm. he's also been like, there was a storyline about him on SVU once. I believe that. You know what I yeah. mean? And so this has to happen. This mm-hmm. is time. You know, like I'm all about people making money doing what they want to do, having the power, you know, grabbing for power. Do you. If that's what gets you up in the morning, do you. But understand this. But don't do an underage girl. Again. Yeah. You know, like. Or on. anything. Do, yeah. But know this. If you are corrupt, no matter what, you will be found out. Right. People always think they get away with it. I'm just like, but you are a person that never paid attention in school. No matter how much money you make, you still are not educated enough to know that you will always be found out. Mm -hmm. And even if it's later in life or even if it's after your death, believe me, your legacy and everything tied to it will go away and disappear. Mm -hmm. We are seeing that with presidents and generals that had bullshit from 300 years ago and they're being wiped out of the face of history because they were not good then and they're not good for us now. You know what I mean? So someone like this, yes, I really hope you get what's coming to you. I hope everyone connected to you get what's coming to you. That enabled all of this. That enabled all of this. Yes, yes. That enabled all of this. But, you know, it's crazy because if it really gets out, if it goes as far as it could, 
we are going to see a shift in the political sphere mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not only financially and, and socially, but like, hey, girl, but like all of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I'm glad that he is finally being caught. Yeah. I'm glad that this is finally happening, but I really hope they do not back down on prosecuting him. Like they did the first time around. Like they did the first couple times around. Right, right. I really hope they don't back down. Please don't. Yeah. You have them now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the labor, or I guess he's the labor secretary. One of the secretaries who was the, the prosecutor. She, yeah, she already, Alex Acosta, I think yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, resigned. Yeah, already resigned. I yeah. was just like, ooh. Right. <laughs> She was like, you know what? Let me just send this email that I've been holding in the in the draft box because well, now is yeah. the time. Well, Robin Bell, the artist in Mount Pleasant, uh-huh. was projecting last night onto the uh, Labor Department building. Alex Acosta enables sex trafficking. Acosta must go, and that was like last night. And then this morning, did he get accosted? Oh, I did it. I fucking did it. I had to. I had to. Yeah. But I thought it was awesome that like they were projecting that onto his place of work. Yes. Last night. And then this morning, Buddy was like, oh, by the way, I'm resigning. And you know what? You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the protests and the protesting and the rebelling that people did in the past. Mm -hmm. This is not afraid. Mm -hmm. This is unhinged. You know, this is uncensored. We're calling you way the fuck out. Right. I'm just going to say it plain. I'm not using high rhetoric. I'm not going to dance around it to be all political. You're gross. Go the fuck away. Right. (laughs) You're gross, boo-boo. Right. Like, I really, I wish sometimes I was in, like, a political debate with, like, just a full-on, like, even if it was, like, Trump or, like, one of his little cronies. And just, they start saying, I'm just like, just by the way, can you not talk? (laughs) Not even, like, not even trying to debate him on it. I'm just going to be like, you really should shut the F up. Yeah. And use the word fuck yeah. in the political debate on ABC News. Like, you need to shut the fuck up. You're gross. You've always been gross. You yeah. smell funny. Your breath is bad. Yeah. And that's just the things I'm getting right now. <laughs> okay? I also brought this box of receipts, sir. Mm-hmm. And this was just printed out in a simple Google search in the first three clicks. Mm-hmm. You need to go. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. I really want someone to do their job, frankly. Yeah. Can you imagine if we like went to our jobs, our menial jobs, wherever the fuck they are? Like I serve at a restaurant during the day during lunch as a part-time job. I like it. I like the I like the place I work at. They're really nice, great company. And I think to myself, I was saying this to my coworker, I was just like, can you imagine if I just came to work, one did not know how to serve, forgot what serving was, didn't even know what the fuck job I worked at, and just started to do whatever the hell I wanted to and then left early and didn't come back for three weeks. Right. Do you know what I mean? And still expected a paycheck. And still expected a paycheck, and, yeah. as well as also represented that company on social media right. in the public right. in the most disgusting, vile ways possible. Right. I definitely would not have a job. Why do these people, and mm. I'm just serving, I'm just getting people food. Mm-hmm. Why do these people who run finance, mm-hmm. who make decisions that affect every person in the world, still have a job? And mm. you don't even know where the fuck you work at. You don't even know how a bill becomes a law. Why do you have a job? Mm-hmm. Where is, like... Where I mean, we have the equal oper- like the equal employment opportunity. They need to start doing like full on employee reviews all the way up to the present and be like, you know what, this last year was not your best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are what you can improve on. This is what we're gonna we're gonna put you on probation though. You have a thirty right. day probation. Right. Right. If you can't get together, we're gonna have to terminate you. Right. Like I really think we need to. People need to stay on their pre's and cues. You are at work, bitch. <laughs> You know, you expect that you expect the Starbucks dude to get your coffee right. I expect you to get the policy correct. Right, exactly. Anyway, let's take a. I need to take a break, girl. I got my blood pressure all up. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I know. I, I haven't been back in three weeks. I'm fully charged. You man. are. You are. I'm a Duracell battery. Duracell. They're not representing us, but hopefully they'll sponsor us soon. Uh, <laughs> let's take a little break. Sure. And then we're going to come back and actually talk about something that's actually really fun for a lot of people. A lot of us indulge in it. But... In this kind of environment, a lot of the things that we're talking about, political decisions, social moves, things like that, they're made at these kinds of spaces. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about the dinner party. Mm. We'll be right back on the Beauty Archeo. You're listening to the Keto Mix of Suede, and this is Full Service Radio. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. That song was bumping, too. Thank you for that, Alexia. She playing them beats. Mm-hmm. She playing them beats in the break, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Beauty Archeo. I totally forgot to announce what this show was, I think, when I started. <laughs> I just started talking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining us or if you've been listening to this show for the last 18 minutes, this is the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast, broadcasting live on full service radio from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. I am your host, Professor Noir. And of course, we have our special guest, Mr. Joseph Palermo. Hello, hello. Hello, bonjour, bonjour. 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 Um, <laughs> um, because it's the Fashion History Comedy Podcast, I often talk about clothes, the movement of clothes, different fashion trends and political moves and social moves that were made around clothing. <coughs> Little cough. However, I'm going to talk about something that is a very fashionable thing to do. Mm. Um, so in context of fashion, this episode is called Dinner is Served, Dinner as a Fashion. Mm. Yes. So we have all, I think we've, a lot of us have, I can't say we all, because some people may not have friends. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of us have been to this kind of space, the dinner party. You, are, you're, you get an email. Nowadays, you get an email from your friend or like a group email. And your friend's like, I'm you know, having a dinner party. Everyone come over on Friday um, and at 7. And dinner will start at 8. I'm going to cook so-and-so who has allergies. If you have a gluten allergy, you're not invited. <laughs> I'm only making, you know nightshade vegetables so sorry for you bitches um, <laughs> um and you know bring something bring some wine you come over and you get dressed up a little bit and you clean you wash you take a shower mm-hmm. uh, most likely wear deodorant but a lot of people are not into that right now but most people wear deodorant to mm-hmm. a dinner party mm-hmm. and you bring a bottle of wine maybe a chianti not a chianti it's not the 70s maybe a <laughs> syrah i'd like a good syrah or a malbec it's a vina verde season so, a vina verde yeah, you know yeah. and you meet your friends and you see your friends and you're laughing and you're having cocktails and then the wine opens and dinner is served and you all sit down to the table and every now and then that friend, maybe that friend has place settings where the names are written on cards. If that friend is doing it right. If that friend is doing it right. And you know, the fork, your forks and your knives are in the proper place and, and dinner is served. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called a dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> And so this type of 
environment, this type of custom is not something that's new. Mm-mm. This has been going on for many, 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 many centuries, Absolutely. many millennia, really. Yeah. Um, we can trace it all the way back to Rome where you're having big banquets. And you're Last having Supper. The Last Supper. And actually, it's really funny. One of the things I pulled up, the 10 legendary dinner parties in history, and one of them was the Last Fucking Supper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to read what it says, too. The Last Supper is one of Leonardo da Vinci's most iconic mural paintings. While Jesus makes the cut for many people's five people I'd like to at my dinner party list, quote unquote, the most famous dinner party Jesus actually attended held just before his crucifixion and later coined the Last Supper. Likely to have also been a Passover Seder, the Gospel of Mark 14, 14, 12 says, and on the first day of, the, of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go? And prepare for you to eat for the prepare for you to eat the Passover. Leave it to Jesus to keep them calm and carry on. That I did not write that by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was from the medium.com slash the table, the ten legendary dinner parties in history. Um actually and it's funny that they even mentioned Passover, because I was just gonna mention one of the most famous customs and religious customs of quote-unquote a dinner party is a Passover Seder and Mm -hmm. something that you're very accustomed to. Do you mind even talking a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so Seders uh, in general are just kind of um, a meal in Judaism that commemorates some kind of uh, observance in Judaism. So for Passover, um, you have a a Seder plate that Mm -hmm. contains, you know, food, Symbolisms. Yeah. Is that a word? I'm using it wrong. I'm yeah. Sure. But it's food to represent different symbols in the Passover story. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, you just kind of go through this ritual dinner talking about the Passover story. Everybody takes turns reading different passages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, by the end of the dinner, some people's dinners go all night long. Yes. Um, it's generally like a long three hours or so dinner. Yes. I've um, been to a couple Passovers. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know, a good Passover Seder is going to have conversation that kind of contemporizes the Passover story, which is all about, um, you know, coming out of bondage, finding liberation, fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think a good Passover Seder, um, to get to your point about dinner party conversation, is really trying to get people to contemporize that story. And, exactly. And, you know, how does it relate to how we're living today? And it's interesting that you mentioned that, too, because I was recently watching a documentary, as I always do. I like to, you know smoke a little Mary Jane and watch a documentary about history <laughs> and, you know, do my nails. It's, a, it's my thing. It's my thing I like to do. Um, in D.C. it's legal. Um, or decriminalized, should I say. Um, and um, it was interesting. So they were talking in this documentary, they were talking about just customs, like customs of partying for people and when people gathered and how that started. And most of it was done under religious rites. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of very old religions, you have a lot of feast days, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of holidays. And that actually, not just for a religious observance, but it was really to bring people together before the idea of the hobby was created or kind of leisure time was created, quote unquote, which actually wasn't created until and coined until the Tudor era. Hmm. Um, People obviously had free time. You know, people had free time, but um, society was divided differently. Um, it seemed like you would have you would have different aspects of society that had more tasks and mm-hmm. more purpose mm-hmm. for what they're doing. So a way for people to celebrate was doing a lot of religious feasts. Mm-hmm. The Romans were known for it. The 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 Hebrew and the Hebrews are known for mm-hmm. it. Um, the Jews are known for it. Excuse me. Um, and so you go into the Middle Ages, 
and you still have this custom because the Middle Ages were still seeing a strong tie to religion, society, and government. Mm-hmm. And so in, in the Middle Ages, you always see these beautiful pictures and tapestries of these big feasts, but those actually happen quite often. And they would usually happen at the manor of the Lord. Um, every now and then the big feast would be done and like the royal and the royal residence, you know, for the public, that, that part of the residence that was for the public. Um, but you would still have these feasts going on with the Lords that were for not just them and their friends, but for like the larger, the town, the village that they saw over. Right. How that started to change, we start seeing that change from being a religious thing to going more into a way of impressing and entertaining. And like instead of like being entertainment and religion, it gone it went straight into religion. Now, I have not necessarily personally have seen the full transition, a very definite transition, but I would definitely say, and I would I would add, I would probably equate it to the rise of enlightenment mm. in the in the late Georgian period. We're talking about the 1780s, 1790s, 1770s, mm-hmm. um, the French Revolution. But that that whole idea of enlightenment spread across all of Europe. And so when people were becoming less religious or looking at religion as a separate aspect of life, not just saying that religion Mm -hmm. rules every aspect of my life, people still communicated and came together under the context of food. And food is one of the best ways of representing a culture Mm -hmm. and communicating through a culture. So people still came came together in the context of food. Um, What you then saw is instead of doing especially during a militaristic time as the early 1800s during the Napoleonic Wars. Um, I, I want to say you probably saw people doing less religious celebrations because, again, religion was a very hot-button topic. It was very sensitive to really practice and show your religion fully um, to then doing political kind of dinners and social dinners to then start maneuvering through the war, maneuvering how you're going to redivide up Europe, how the parties are going to work. Um, and there, that's when you see kind of like this Victorian dinner. And so that is what we know as today of the dinner party mm-hmm. is this idea of the Victorian dinner party mm. where things are served in courses and you have place settings and you have a head of the table and that person is the host. And you have the hostess who actually is the one really running the motherfucking show. That's right. And as a person, you, I mean, like I've gone to some great dinner parties, but you, my friend, we always talk about this. You always end up at some fabulous fucking dinner party. <laughs> and so I want to, I'll just talk about the tradition a little bit and I want you to talk about maybe how this has carried on Mm -hmm. into the modern aspect. So in a Victorian dinner party, you would, one, you would walk into the house and you were invited, you were invited by invitation. Invitation was sent to your house, obviously on actual paper and cards because they didn't have the internet. Right. Um, And so you got an actual invitation, which still some highbrow people still do. Like the ones who are doing it right. Right. um, As you would say. Um, And you get an invitation, you'd come to the house. And you would be led to one room. It would be the drawing room. And you would be there for cocktails. And to kind of like everyone is gathering there. Once, <coughs> pardon me, coughing again. Once everyone is gathered in the, and having cocktails, the hostess would be signaled by the butler. And then the butler would then announce that dinner is served. And the hostess would then lead with her husband through into the dining room. And the funny thing is you were then led... And you were you would lead in procession in a line, and you always had like an escort, but you were led in rank. So the hostess 
always take, the host and the host always take precedent. However, if there's someone higher ranking than them, so say the hostess and the host are barons, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like the most common of the aristocracy in terms of like royal appointments. Um, so say then a duke is invited as the special guest. The duke actually would take precedence over them, and the duke would then walk the hostess in. Mm. And then the master of the house, the lord, the baron, he would then walk in the next ranking mem- female member of the house, and then so on and so forth. And you were also seated according to rank. Hmm. Um, and so I don't know if people remember in Titanic the movie, when they were getting into the lifeboats, and um, um, Rose's mother, Rose de Whitbecater's mother, says, are we going to be seated according to rank? That's because customarily, Anywhere you fucking went, especially during the Victorian and Edwardian period, which is late Victorian period, that's late 1800s into the early 1900s for people that don't know, you were seated according to rank. Hmm. Everywhere you went. And people can outrank you. Your rank could switch. You know what I mean? So things would always happen. But the dinners were always very organized. And so nowadays, when you go into a restaurant and you have like a server and he comes to your table and then you have, you have you know, your... Um, even if you want to do it really correct, you have your amuse-bouche, so a little taste mm-hmm. before the meal starts. It can either be a drink or a small bite of something to start cleansing the palate and opening the palate up. Then you would have an appetizer or an hors d'oeuvre. Actually, you would have an hors d'oeuvre, then appetizer, which would be a, a smaller plate, but a, more full, a, a fuller bite of something. And then you would go into a mid-course, which would be a palate-cleansing course. Then you would go into the main course. Main course would usually consist of meats or something. On Fridays, it'd be fish because they were still practicing some kind of Christianity. Um, and then after that, you would go into dessert or to a dessert course. And that's kind of like a basic dinner party. Um, but all of that was very heavily controlled in a dinner party. Um, so, for instance, when the hostess sat down, she would, seat, she would sit at the head of the table. The, the lord of the house sat at the other end of the table. And there's a thing called turning, which I find really fucking interesting and really fucking weird. So when a hostess would turn to her left, that means everyone at the table turns to their left and talks to the person on their left. Oh, I love that. Yes. Oh, my God. So if you ever watched Downton Abbey in like the first or second episode, um, they're trying to pair up the eldest daughter with some dude and they're trying to talk to each other but to- but the daughter has to keep talking to some other freaking dude because the mom is keeping her from talking to him uh-huh. and she's just like yeah she hasn't turned yet and I can't wait for her to turn that means that when she turns she then turns to the right which means the conversation switches and everyone talks to the person on their right so therefore you want to make sure that everyone gets an even amount of conversation uh-huh. Uh-huh. but also it's a way to control the table. I love it. I to love control. It. So that's when you, then you start inviting the special guest, the honored guest, someone that you want to politically motivate or impress or influence, someone you want to socially impress or influence. And therefore, that person would then be given the most attention. Or maybe if they're not living up to par, they're not necessarily given that kind of attention. And that's a huge scandal. And so by, you know, like we're seeing dinner parties as religious right in the early periods and like the Roman period into antiqu- out of antiquity into the middle ages into the 1700s and then that's starting to switch now but the thing is is that th- those kinds of parties would make or break a royal house politically mm-hmm. could make or or, or uh, religiously or politically to a certain degree because they're not necessarily observing the religious rights all mm-hmm. the way they're not living its fullest but that didn't happen as much as something now with a dinner party is so personal it is make or break using the wrong fork mm-hmm. sneezing mm-hmm. at the wrong time at a table 
um, you know, saying the wrong thing, laughing too loud could, could be misconstrued and that can make or break you in a heartbeat. Not finishing your food. Not or, finishing your yeah. food. But actually, no, finishing your food actually for a woman was make or break. You don't finish your food as a woman. That's fucked up. Which is really fucked up. <laughs> I know it's weird though, because they liked a curvy woman, but they liked her curvy with a tiny waist. Right, right. And so also, but I mean, also when you get into the clothes as well, you know, when you go to a dinner, you don't want to dress overly fancy, especially during the Victorian, Victorian and Edwardian period. You want to dress properly, pro proper for mm -hmm. the night. Mm -hmm. So women would wear diamonds. If you were from a royal house, you would wear a tiara. Um, not the big regalia tiara, but a small one mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that usually was with like European royalty rather than like the British royalty. Mm -hmm. And the British royalty would only wear if they were hosting European royalty of a higher rank. Mm -hmm. um, and you would, um, but then like the ladies, especially then, you were wearing like ridiculous corsets, which I will be doing a corset episode in the next couple of weeks. So listen out for that. It's gonna be fucking amazing. But ladies would do, would be wearing these ridiculous corsets. In the late 1800s, I wanna say 1870s into the 1880s, they were wearing the S shape. So the S shape gave you a waist that was like, the goal was to have like an 18 inch waist. Wow. And would make you have the curve of an S. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. imagine eating a 10 course meal. You would get a bite in for each, barely. Mm -hmm. You would smell it and be like, I'm good. Right. <laughs> and then fall out. And fall out. They're like, I'm only having air right now. Like, someone give me an oxygen tank. Right. You know, and then by the, um, the 19 teens, 1910 to the 1914, you had the f this full body corset. It was a straight line corset, which went over the hips. Mm -hmm. So it sucked everything mm -hmm. in. And that's when you had the hobble skirts and the really tighter skirts. So imagine trying to eat or even like, move your legs yeah you know what i mean so yes yeah. women literally were just eating like a bite smelling it and be like i'm good i'm good wow. this, this beef was amazing I'm yeah. glad, I, I wish i could taste it <laughs> um but nonetheless i would like to um but just really but for you you've experienced some amazing dinner parties so far in your life yeah it's been fun thankfully i've been <laughs> invited to a few yeah. um Tell me, About, like, tell us a little bit of the story. Yeah, okay. Um, so I told you I would spill some tea on a dinner party when you invited me on. Yes. So uh, in May, I was in New York City, um, and I was invited to a dinner party thrown by the hostess. Um, she was... Uh, I don't want to give away. I don't want. To, no, I don't want a reputation to, of like going yeah. to people's dinner parties and sp spilling their tea. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah, just gonna say that. Yeah, she um, is someone who worked for the Reagans in the White House. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was a maid. I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, she hosted this like wonderful dinner party. Um, it wasn't so formal. We sat at a round table, so uh -huh. there wasn't any kind of like um, you know specific rank at her table. <laughs> um, but she did, uh, you know regale us with stories of the Reagan White House and, you know, what that was like. and A lot of hairspray. A lot of hairspray. And, um, you know, I was curious to know what the dinner parties were like at the White House because I feel like the Reagans were kind of the first ones to get us to where we are today with, like, Hollywood and the White House. Yeah. And, like, and that's exactly what they were. That's exactly, that's exactly what they were. Because they right. were both Hollywood, like, actors. Right. So um, she was talking about how Mr. T would come to like these dinners and That's like so crazy. just like random ass people from 80s pop culture. Right? Yeah. Um, but the tea that I wanted to serve you uh, was that this lovely hostess, um, she did tell us at this dinner party that she still uh, kept in touch with Mrs. Reagan, who I believe is now passed away. Yeah. Um, but 
one of the last times that she got together to have lunch or tea with Mrs. Reagan, um, she went to go visit her at this like assisted living place, mm-hmm. like really fancy assisted living. Yeah, it looks like fucking Greenbrier or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so Mrs. Reagan gets wheeled into this, you know, parlor that they're, you know, having like tea sandwiches or whatever. And a golden marble wheelchair. Right, right. <laughs> but this woman, my, my, the, the hostess of this dinner party, she was telling us how, you know, she just had to tell Mrs. Reagan about this new, uh, I almost said white lady, first lady <laughs> in the White House. <laughs> and she proceeds to tell Nancy Reagan, who is like crippled as fuck at this point and yeah. like kind of blind and can't really hear. <laughs> She's proceeding to tell Nancy Reagan that Melania Trump has naked pictures on the Internet. But no, no, she goes a step further and she pulls out her phone and she starts showing old ass Nancy Reagan these pictures of Melania Trump. Because Nancy Reagan is not too old for tea, bitches. She was never too old for tea. And so Nancy is just horrified. Oh my God. Just has this look of sheer horror on her face. And the the hostess of this dinner party was like, I just had to let her know. And like, I just... (laughs) And that day Nancy Reagan died. She needed to know like how far we have fallen. And like, and that is how Nancy died. died. Right. Nancy died like a couple of months after that. Right? Yeah. She was like, "I can't with these bitches no yeah. more." She's yeah. like, "I set a tone, and she's not even doing it." Yeah, that yeah. is so wild. Yeah. So Nancy Reagan was around for the iPhone. That's really crazy. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is so wild, though, to think about too. It's just like, but then it's true, though. Like, it's I think about. Yes, you know, these environments, they're super rich people, you know, regaling themselves on like the, the, most, the most amazing exotic foods and things like that. But how you act does make a difference. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think about um, the whole um, impact that Emily Post and the Emily mm-hmm. Post Book of Etiquette mm-hmm. made on the entire world. That's right. And so in Emily Post, for people that don't know, Emily Post is the heir to the Post serial fortune. And um, I personally think is a pretty cool woman, was a pretty cool woman. Like every interview I've ever seen with her, she seemed like really well-rounded and um, knew that she was, obviously knew that she was wealthy, but but carry the responsibility of yes. being like representing yes. the country, representing people, representing women in a very good way. And she believed that we should have a standard of civility for our society, which I don't disagree with. Yes, exactly. Which is, again, why I love me some Emily Post. I will always have her back. Yeah. Here's to you, Emily. Yeah. Big ups to Miss Post. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, she, she did... Um, I don't know if she fully wrote it. I've never gotten like... I know that she was obviously... The most, she was the one leading the charge of writing a really amazing book. And she basically lived in the whole old world society of dinner parties and gloves and white tables and white glove table service. A white table service. White glove table. <laughs> I mean, it was white table service. Yeah, white yeah, glove yeah, table yeah. service. Um, and she synthesized that into a book and released it into, you know, working class America. Mm-hmm. And how to create the sense of dignity for yourselves mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. entertaining. And, you know, it's funny because, like, we as younger people now, we as the early aughts, you know, as the millennials and Gen Z or whatever it's called. Um, I think we definitely 
we still have a lot of those like values in us, mm-hmm. but we've definitely rejected a lot of it. We've definitely rejected a lot of the formality, mm-hmm. but there's something so beautiful in the formality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you said, like again, when you said it's done quote unquote right, you know, there's something very beautiful in formality and there's something very beautiful about the people enjoying it and sitting at the table. I've always said, I love seeing people dress beautifully at a beautiful dinner table doing beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things to see. Um, I've invited people out to dinner just because I didn't want to talk to them. I just wanted to look at them. Because <laughs> I was just like, where's something sexy so I can just yeah, look at you yeah. under candlelight? Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this creation of this environment, this idea of bringing people together, one under the context of food, which is so personal to us, to then reveal and discuss issues and ideas that are personal to us, is very, it's very astounding mm-hmm. that this is a custom that has been, that's held sway all over the world yeah. for millennia. Yeah, yeah. Is something that everyone pretty much can understand. Yeah. And no, we don't all do dinner parties in the exact same way, but that whole idea is something that we all understand. Yeah, exactly. Coming together and coming together. Breaking bread. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So before we go, we have about five minutes. And I just want to like throw in some tidbits that I found that I thought were really funny. Um, one of the things I find really interesting is that, so again, like I said before, nowadays we don't have a lot of those rules um, of formality, but every now and then we do like to indulge in them. Um, but back in the 1800s, both men and women had an amalgamum, as I like to say, of rules to follow when it came to a dinner party and like how to act. And some of them, I, I found a little section on 72, rule, 72 rules for men. 72. 72 rules wow. for Victorian men. I'm not reading all 72. <laughs> um, but just like certain things that we still think about today, like be prompt at meals. To be, late is a wrong, to be late is a wrong to your host and to your family. Tell the millennials that one. Yes. It is not calculated to promote good feeling. I'm a person, I try not to be late as much anymore. Um, but I have been late many, many times. Me so too. I know, you know. <laughs> but I will say this if I come late, it's because I have dressed to the motherfucking 11. That's right. That's right. So if I'm coming late, girl, I'm coming like full on. Right. You, I'm going to look good. I'm, there's a reason why I'm late. Right. Exactly. I hate when people come late, though. I was like, the next time you come late, you better look like Marie Antoinette <laughs> coming up in here all late looking like crap. And you're like, I came from work, girl. I have four jobs. Leave me alone. Right. Um, what else? When dinner is announced, the sign to leave the parlor. Sorry, that was the, that was the where I was trying to find the parlor. That's mm, where they go first. Mm. When dinner is announced, the sign to leave the parlor will be given by the hostess. Each gentleman will probably be asked to escort a lady to the table. This should be done at the most in the most polite manner, which means don't be grabbing up a bitch. Excuse me, I should not say that about women. Do not grab up women. Pardon me. Let me get out of my cis male moment right now. <laughs> oh, where did that come from? <laughs> So I need to sage after this with <laughs> Chanel number five. That was awful. Um, the gentleman should pass in and then the gentleman should pass in and then wait on the side of the door until the lady passes to pl- to the place assigned to her at the table. Mm. Very interesting. So that means the woman should take the seat first, then the gentleman. Mm-hmm. Most likely reason why to push to pull out the chair. Right. Right. Um, when you eat soup, do so in a quiet manner. <laughs> Do so in as much of a quiet manner as possible. Okay, people, when you're eating dinner at a dinner party, you don't need to, you don't need to be loud. You don't need to let everyone know you're eating. We know you're eating. We're all eating. That's why the food's here. So, like, let's keep that together. Also, one of the things I also hate, if everyone else is not eating anymore, I don't care if you're not done your plate, 
you stop eating. That's true. They're waiting for the next course. That's right. So actually, the funny thing is when the hostess, and I, I don't know if it's on this rules, on these rules, I'm not going to read all these, but when the hostess actually stops eating, everyone stops. That means the next course is now ready. Right. So people, keep that you're on mind. her clock. You're on her clock. Yeah. Okay. She's running this show. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyway, but... Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, you know, for having me. A couple of little things, just tidbits about dinners. Yeah. We love dinners. Yeah. We love dinner parties. But I will say this. The next time you go to a dinner party, think about, you know, just the kind of conversation you want to have. Think about the kind of person that you want to represent, represent yourself as. And go in and be your best self. And go in and, especially when you're going to places you don't know anyone, think to yourself, everyone feels like they're going to be judged. So go in knowing that everyone wants to be loved. Mm. I it's, love that. A, it's a really great way of thinking about a dinner party because I get very nervous a lot of times I'm in new spaces and I always think to myself, everyone always says they're going to be judged, so let's get over that. Yeah. You know? Anyway, people, that was our show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be back in the studio. I'll be back next week with another freaking episode of the motherfucking Beauty Archeo. The Beauty RKO, your fashion history comedy podcast here on Full Service Radio at the Line Hotel. I want to thank you, Yosef, again for coming today. You're so sweet for thank you to Alexia in the booth. Thank you, Alexia. And everyone, please come back again. We'll see you next week. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.